Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We are going to have a good time. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. All right. Um, such a joy to see every one of you here this morning. And um, I believe that God is doing an amazing thing in our lives. Um, I think it was on Wednesday, right? It was on Wednesday we prayed for those and um, trusted God for those who are believing God for, for jobs. Amen. And one of our brothers reached back to me this morning that they called him for a job. Amen. In fact, they called him on Thursday, so he started work, and we are glad for that. And for as many of you that the hands came on you, that anointing is at work in your life. Amen. amen. And he's getting things ready for you. Can you say loud amen? Amen. Alright, let's pray. Let's get into the word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Alright, so this month we've been dealing with the subject of kingdom finance. Teaching around the subject of kingdom finance and what the Lord says about that. And we are going to look at something. It's taken me about three years to decide to teach this. Uh, but I want to teach it today. So I call it muzzle not the ox. Muzzle not the ox. Now, essentially, that was like an Old Testament commandment that was given to the children of Israel. But Paul picked on it and wrote it in uh, the book of Corinthians and then in the book of Timothy. But first of all, we want to start with Matthew chapter 10. Let's look at the words of Jesus. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1. We're going to read from verse 1 and then we're going to stop at verse 13. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1. Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. So you observe what Jesus did to the disciples. He gave them authority. He gave them dominion. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of diseases. Verse 2 and verse 3 to verse 4 gave us the names of the twelve disciples of Jesus who became the apostles of the Lamb. Or we call them the apostles of the Lamb because they were the ones who walked with Jesus directly. The foundational apostles, praise God. Now go to verse 5. These twelve, so there were twelve of them. Jesus sent out after instructing them, do not go in the way of the Gentiles, 
and do not enter any city of the Samaritans. So Jesus gives them the scope of their ministry or the geographical boundaries of their ministry. But rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Verse 7. As you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Now, I'll pause here to say, what was freely received? The authority. Come on, are you here? What was freely received? The authority and the power, which is in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1. Alright? And what were they to freely give? That same power in exercising it. That is why no minister of the gospel should charge you for praying for you. Are you following this? You're not supposed to be charged. You know, you have some prayer houses right now that tell you, well, we are going to pray for you. We will do some spiritual work, but you need to pay some money. No. The anointing to heal the sick, to raise the dead, and to cleanse lepers was given freely by the sacrifice of Jesus. And so in dispensing that, in praying for people, in administrating that anointing on people, you don't have to charge for it. But then, the ministry also will cost money. Traveling will cost money. And some of all of those things will cost money. How does the Lord expect that those things be met? Now go to the next verse. Verse 9. It says, Do not acquire gold or silver or copper for your money belts, or a bag for your journey, or even two coats or sandals or a staff. For the walker is what? Word. Talk to me, church. The walker is what? Worthy of what? His support. Now, it means that Jesus sees cleansing of lepers, healing the sick, and preaching the kingdom as work. Do you see that there? He sees it that it is work. Because he says, the worker is worthy of his support. So that means when he sent them out to preach, he sent them out to heal the sick, he sent them out to cast out demons, Jesus sees this as work. And we have to renew our mind that this is work. You know, sometimes we don't see preaching as work. The Bible says that the worker is worthy. He's deserving of his support. So when we see a preacher, or you see a pastor over a local congregation, and support needs to be given to that pastor, you don't see it like a poverty alleviation scheme. 
You don't see it like, you know what, we're trying to help the pastor. No, it is not something he does not deserve. It is something he deserves because Jesus says, the casting out of Satan, healing the sick, and all of these things that these apostles were going to do, they are laborers who deserve their support. And we have to renew our mind. We have to renew our mind where this is concerned. We have to see things from the way the scripture says it. Now, disclaimer before we go on. I'm not preaching this so you get something to me. But I'm teaching you the whole counsel of God. Where the word of God is concerned. Jesus says that that laborer deserves, is worthy of his support. Okay? So, we're not saying... uh, you know, because, I mean, there are cases where pastors have abused this. And there are also cases where members have also abused this. Because there are some pastors who go all about, yeah, you have to give to me all the time, which they shouldn't do. And there are some pastors, there are some members who feel, yeah, he's a pastor. He doesn't deserve that. That's too big for him. That's too expensive for him. Or, you know what? Uh, just something little is okay After all God will provide The question is If God will provide How will he provide He's going to provide Through the people Who are receiving the ministry Are you still here Okay Today there will not be a lot of amens But it's good word Alright Now go on It says Verse 11 As you Um where did we stop? Verse 1. Verse 10. Verse 11. And whatever city or village you enter, inquire who is worthy in it, and stay at his house until you leave that city. As you enter the house, give it your greeting. If the house is worthy, give it your blessing of peace. But if it is not worthy, take back your blessing of peace. What this also tells us is that the ministers that are sent by the Lord to do the assignment of God, the anointing or the blessing of peace is upon their lives. You must understand this, and I think we dealt with that last month, that actually no man can set himself in the fivefold ministry except the Lord has called him to that. And that's important. Because if you want to support any pastor, you want to discern by the Spirit if he's standing in the office that the Lord has called him to. Because then there are so many people who go out on their own and they are not sent by the Lord. So these people, before the Lord says these people are um, worthy of their support or deserve their support, the first thing we find out is that the Lord was the one who sent them on that assignment. Are you following what I'm saying? So we can't just support every preacher. We've got to find out if the preacher, by the Spirit of God and by the inward witness on our inside, if this preacher is doing what the Lord is sending him to do or called him uh, where the Lord has called him to go to. Praise God. I said, praise God. Go to Luke chapter 10. And verse 7. Luke chapter 10. And verse 7. Now, let's read verse 1 again. Now, after this, the Lord appointed 78 others. These are other... This is... Uh, now another set of people that the Lord appointed. Now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others 
and send them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where himself was going to come. So he sent these people ahead of himself. And he was saying to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord or pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go, behold, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money belt, no bag, no shoe. Greet no one on the way. Whatever house you enter first, say, Peace be to this house. How many of you have had people come into your house and the first thing they said is, Peace be unto this house? Okay, this is where they got it from. Verse 6. <laughs> if a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Verse 7. Stay in that house, eating and drinking. What they give you. Look at this next line. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. So he says, when you are going, this is part of the 70, he sent them out as pairs. And he says, you know what? I need you to go out every city before I come in. And um, when you get to any house and they open themselves up to your free will, whatever they serve to you, eat and drink. It says because the laborer is worthy of his wages. So the Bible sees the work of preaching and teaching as labor. Now, if you don't see it that way, you will not consider whatever you do, uh, um, you, you, you will not consider whatever you're doing to the minister of the gospel, you will not want to do it honorably. Or you would not do it honorably. You will just think, well, it's pastors, let's contribute to help him. It will be more like a poverty alleviation program. And that's not how God wants us to see those who labor for the word. Now, in the Old Testament, a law was given. In the Old Testament, a law was given. Deuteronomy chapter 25 and verse 4. Deuteronomy chapter 25 and verse 4. So, um, when you see a minister of the gospel, don't see it in your mind as if the man is jobless. <laughs> Are you following what I'm saying? Don't say, like, ah, he's not working. What is he doing? Ah, he's just preaching. Just to preach. And it's the Holy Spirit even giving him an inspiration. You know, sometimes you don't know what task it is to preach until they give you an opportunity to preach. You know, many people think that preaching is just opening your mouth and talking. And that's why sometimes we've heard a lot of nonsense that's not true. Because people were not diligent to study the scripture enough. Yeah. Because people feel, well, preaching is just say anything you want from the Bible. And that's why a lot of uh, doctrines are taught in the body of Christ that are not true. So, uh, to teach the word, one has to study diligently. You know, for instance, I gave this example in the first service. For instance, if I were to be a motivational speaker, okay? I, I, I fly in from Lagos, I do this massive presentation, 
teach you some psychology, how to have your goals met, you know, white three-piece suit, you know. And I finished teaching you for one hour. When I'm going, people would likely say, well, you know what, this guy did a good job. Hmm? And maybe I charge you my fees, 400000 And they'll pay it. People would willingly just pay it. Oh, wow, man, the guy's good. Give us these presentations. But you know, if he's a preacher, I preach two services. Teach an hour plus in each service. By the time I'm done, you know, let's, let's take my typical today, for example. I'm preaching two services. I have a meeting with the outreach team for one hour. I'll teach them for one hour. And then I have a meeting with the service team later today for about two hours. That means I've talked for probably uh, how many hours? Five to six hours today. Right? And maybe in between then they call me. Somebody's in the hospital. I'll drive there to go see them. Somebody's, you know, and all of that. And at the end of the day, let's assume, somebody gives me 50000 you know, if I, if I come and say, well, on Sunday someone blessed me with 50,000, I wow, what did he do? Are you seeing our judgment? Because we don't raise the preaching and the teaching of God's word as work. You know, pastors can keep a job and do the ministry, but I've also seen people deride pastors who are full-time as if they, they are full-time because they are lazy. So they don't, in their mind, they don't see it as work. And you have to correct that it's a misunderstanding of the scriptures. Not everybody should be full time. But if the Lord has called people to this assignment, then those who receive that ministry must see it from the point of honor. And the reason is because we've also had pastors who probably went into full-time ministry needing a lot of support, asking members, asking things about. And because of all of those experiences, you know, people have gone to deride the office and look down on the office. And that's why every minister of the gospel should be sure that the Lord has sent them where they are going so they can put their faith in God and not on man. Are you still here? I can't hear you. Are you still here? Alright. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 25 verse 4, these are not sermons that have a lot of amens in them, so I can understand. Deuteronomy 25 verse 4, it says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Don't muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. Now, the picture here is, um, is the, it was an agricultural society where they used to do a lot of farming. So they would put oxen together and use them to tread the grain. Now, the Bible says... Uh, while that oxen is treading the grain, don't close his mouth. Don't muzzle it. That's what it means. Don't put a muzzle on the ox while it is treading the ground. At least allow the ox to eat. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you here? Don't close his mouth. Open his mouth while it's working. Let it eat. And Paul refers to this. We're going to look at it. 
Because some people don't mind their pastors walking themselves to death. And when they die, say, ah, what happened? Have you ever gone home and thought, what, what will pastor eat today? Have you ever thought about that? Hmm? Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> because in your mind, there's always food. At least, if it doesn't have, you can just take from the offering. You know, because some people's mind about church is that immediately the offering is given, then they put everything in the pastor's house with zip. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about how does pastor pay his children's school fees? Hmm? I'm asking. Have you thought about it? You know, most times, every time you see a pastor, what comes to your mind is get from him. Yes. Because most people equate the wealth of the church to become the wealth of the pastor. And that's not true. A church can be very wealthy and the pastor is not well looked after. Are you blessed this Sunday? Yes, <laughs> you are? And so the Bible says, don't muzzle the ox. Don't close his mouth. Because some people do not mind if the pastor walked to death. And that's why a pastor has to have enough self-esteem not to take his valuation from what people want from him. Let's look at this. In Proverbs chapter 10, 12, verse 10, Proverbs 12, 10, <laughs> it took me a lot of courage to preach this message, but it's a good one. It's the same as you preach once in many years. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 12, verse 10. A righteous man has regard for the life of his animal. But even the compassion of the wicked is cruel. You know what he's saying? He says, if a man is righteous and an animal is treading for you, you would have regard for his life. You will be compassionate for him. Yeah? You would have compassion for him. You would have compassion for that animal. You will not muzzle its mouth. You would allow at least while the animal is working to eat, to, to partake of something. That's the way to think where your pastor is concerned. Let me tell you here, and I'll say that publicly. Don't always think I have money and have enough of it. No. I have to also live by faith the way you live by faith. We go to the same market you go to. Our children are in the same school. I don't go to anywhere and I say, oh, I want to pay for that. I say, oh, because you're a pastor, don't pay. There are some of you who have worked for me and you're paid. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you, you've got to renew your mind where a minister is concerned. And the challenge sometimes is, even as church members, we take some few wealthy pastors and we put everybody in that same bracket. Are you following what I'm saying? So, we, we look at the big names and we feel everybody is that way. You know, <laughs> I remember I was having a discussion with someone and, uh, and they were saying, you know what? You know, people bless you a lot. 
So when he said that, I, I, I asked him, I said, you as an individual, when last did you bless me? And he said, I can't remember. I said, that's what everybody else thinks. Everybody else thinks someone is blessing pastor. How many of you think like that? Yeah. Everyone thinks like that. You know, it's like you have the, the goats that is scheduled to be killed on Christmas Day. Right? I'm not saying a pastor is a goat. but Just parable. Hmm? And then they buy the goat and keep it in the compound. The, the man thinks the wife will give the goat food. The, the woman thinks the man will do it. The man thinks the children will do it. The children thinks their mother will do it. Everybody goes about the whole day eating three times. And then in the night, when they want to sleep, they just remember, hey, I think you've given that goat food. They say, oh, I thought you would do it. The whole house wakes up at midnight and realize the whole day the goat has not eaten. That's why goats lose their, their weight when they come home for Christmas. You know, those goats you buy three days before Christmas, comes fat, and in three days has lost weight. Why? Because nobody was looking after it. Somehow, as church members, we always assume someone is giving to the pastor. Why we're not doing it? We're not. Oh, there's somebody there. Ah, the rich people are doing it. Oh, yeah. I, I believe. He's always sharing testimonies. People are giving. And someone can be in a local congregation for years and never minister to his pastor because he thinks at the back of his mind that God is providing. Okay? Now let me say this again. I'm not preaching this because of anything. So don't go like, ah, who made pastor angry before? No, no, it's not. I just have to teach it in line with what we're teaching. Is that okay? Alright, so no. And then you don't have to force yourself to do anything. So don't go this month and die. Let's give you, don't want to hear any other sermon like this so that I can focus. Don't do that. I have a commitment to God. Until I leave this earth, I'll never... Speak about my personal needs on the pulpit. You will never hear it from my mouth. And I will never ask anybody for anything. I never ask anything for ourselves, for my family, and our personal needs. I don't ever. I don't put my need before the people that I lead. If there's a need, I talk to God about it, and God knows how to meet it. So this is nothing personal, just the word of God. Amen? I said amen? Amen. That's better. Let's Corinthians 9. <laughs> for now, say, ah, let's contribute something for Pastor. For you now come one day and say he's not preaching again. <laughs> let's do some welfare elevation for him. First Corinthians chapter 9. And um, let's let's go to Timothy first, okay? Then we'll come back to First Corinthians chapter 9. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. Thank you, Lord Jesus. First Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor. That word worthy appears 71 times in the Bible. It speaks of being held in high esteem. Value. You're worth it. Huh? The elders who rule well. So not every elder. The one who is ruling well. Are to be considered. You have to do that consideration in your mind. That they are worthy of double honor. 
They are worthy of double honor. They deserve double honor. Praise God. <laughs> Look at this. Especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. So the apostles recognize that preaching and teaching is hard work. Are you following this? They recognize that. You know, sometimes I wonder, and, and uh, uh, well, it's not too far fetched. Today you see a lot of pastors, they are becoming life coaches, leadership experts. Are you following this? You know, they, you know somebody's a pastor, he says, no, he's an author, he's a speaker, he's a life coach, he's a wealth creator. Why are people taking all of these titles? Because somehow those are the things that people kind of now respect. When you say you are a pastor, it almost looks like you're lazy. Why don't you go do something? Do something more with your life. Do something more important with your life. It's because in our mind, we have dropped the valuation of those who are called by the Lord to teach the word. And sometimes even as pastors, we don't help matters. Because that's how we appear before people. We appear beggarly before people. I'm not talking about being dressed up. You know, sometimes you're running a local church and there's some wealthy people in the local church and then you, you, you begin to respect them as if they're gods or they're the ones who called you because of money. And when people see that over time, they kind of lose the respect and the honor they have for you because it looks like you're after their money. And this is not just about personal respect. This is about the honor that the Lord commands us to have for those who teach the word. Who work hard at teaching the word. So, if you have a pastor who is working hard at teaching the word, then the Bible says you should consider that one of double honor. Praise God. Are you still here? Verse 18. For the scripture says, so Paul is quoting Deuteronomy that we just read, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. While he's working, while he's threshing the field, don't close his mouth. Don't permit it, don't stop it, sorry, from eating while he's working. Thank you, Lord. Look at this. And the laborer is worthy of his wages. So Paul again points out these two things regarding supporting. So when you're ministering to your pastor, you, you, you see it as doing something. You minister to your pastor honorably. Honorably. You do it honorably. You're not doing it like he's a hireling. You're not doing it like you're doing him a service. It is the ministry of the saints. It is a godly thing to respond that way to the man that God has placed over you to lead, to guide, to shepherd, and to teach you His Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You know, sometimes when things are abused in the body of Christ, we go, uh, we go to the other extreme in responding to them. Okay? So let's say... Uh, people had misused the office, they've abused the office to extort, to do all kinds of stuff that they shouldn't do, then people react by going to the other extreme. 
So you always have to look up to the word of God to teach you and to instruct you in the way that you should go where this is concerned. First Corinthians chapter 9. Am I not free? <laughs> Apostle Paul. Am I not am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? You know, the apostle started talking about this. Huh? Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Are you not my work in the Lord? Why was he talking like this? Because you find out that they were honoring other apostles, some of them who were false more than him. Yeah. Because it happens sometimes. You would see the honor you give to people who are not teaching you the word, who take advantage of you. And sometimes you ask yourself, hey, come on. Is it not the same ministry work we're doing? Are we not apostles? I've, I've seen people call themselves apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I look at what they are doing and I'm amazed. If this is what you do to be called an apostle, then everybody should actually be an apostle of the Lord. Verse 2. If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. Paul says that. It's like me coming to say, hey, come on, am I not a pastor? And I say to you, listen, if I'm not a pastor to anybody, I'm a pastor to you, for you're the seal of my pastoral office. That's what Paul says. He says, come on, even if, I'm, even, even, even if other people do not recognize and give me the honor that I deserve, you should do it, for you're the seal of my assignment. Praise God. Let me tell you something. Don't be concerned about what other churches are doing to honor their pastors. You be concerned about what you are doing to honor your pastor. If Christ Embassy decides to do something for Pastor Chris, it's not your money. If Winners decide to do something for Bishop Oedebor, it's not your money. Many times we're concerned about how others are honoring their leaders or whatever leaders are doing and we're not concerned. You should be concerned about how you're honoring the pastor that preaches to you every week, that looks after you, that does the work of ministry. What they do with their phones and in their ministry is none of your business because you're not giving them, except you're giving them. Because sometimes we can be so caught up in trying to be the judges in the body of Christ and our own responsibility is not being fulfilled. You're concerned that someone is doing this massive thing out there and you're not looking after the one who stands in front of you week in, week out. It's more like trying to cleanse the plank in someone's eyes or the bit of wood in someone's eyes and you've got plank all over you. You are not responsible for other people's pastor. You are responsible for your own pastor. Is that clear? It's like if this local church decides to do something for me, and then somebody from another ministry is saying, hey, come on, why are you doing that for your pastor? How is that their business? And I see this all the time on social media. People talking about ministers of the gospel where they have no business. Talking about them. Are they sent to you? If the answer is no, 
then why not you just keep your mouth shut and do what you have to do where you're concerned? I never comment on things that are not my business. And that's important. <laughs> are you still here? Verse 3. My defense to those who examine me is this. For do we not have a right to eat and drink? Do we not have a right to take along a believing wife, even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? He says, we have a right. We can, we can marry. We have a right to these things. It's not as if we don't have a right. These things are right. We can do this. We can, we can get a job if we, if we need to get a job. We can get married if we need to get married. And then he says, Who at all, verse 6, Or do only Barnabas and I not have a right to refrain from walking? Verse 7, Who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? A soldier is not serving at his own expense. Then he goes on to say, Who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it? Or who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock? If you're planting a vineyard, if you're tending the flock, you'd use part of the milk. <laughs> you use part of the milk. Look at this. Verse 8. I'm not speaking these things according to human judgment. I'm not just talking as a human being. Am I? Or does not the law also say this thing? So he goes back. Remember, he quotes this in 1 Timothy that we read. Now, this 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he's quoting it again. Verse 9. For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. He refers to it again. Don't muzzle the ox. Don't close his mouth. Don't, don't, don't stop it from eating. Don't stop it from participating in the threshing that he's involved in. God is not concerned about oxen, is he? God is not concerned about oxen, is he? Verse 10. Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? <clears throat> yes, for our sake it was written. Because the plowman ought to plow in hope. And the treasure to thresh in the hope of sharing the crops. says when the man is threshing, when he's working, when he's laboring, he's laboring in hope. Is laboring in hope. And I say this. Uh, sometimes, and like I said, I mean, this is teaching God's word, please, nothing personal. Sometimes, pastors are the most used in the body of Christ. Because, I mean, there are people who the pastor will stand with, help, support, pray for them, minister to them, be there for them, counsel them, do all of these things for them. And immediately they get blessed Then they'll, they'll, they'll plan for everybody else Except the pastor And I'm not just speaking from my experience I've, I've been pastoring full time now For 13 years I grew up in a pastor's home I've seen my parents Deny us and that's why I don't do it I, 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 That's one of the things I told the Lord I will not do I've seen my parents take our school fees to help people in church and bless them, praise God. 
and, and those people got prospered and walked away and never gave him the honor that he deserved. And I told God, that's one thing I will not do. My, my, I will not deny my children's school fees to help any member. I will not do it. <laughs> and I will not. I'm saying it again. Because I've seen, as I grew up in a home where my father denied us a lot of things to help pass, to help church members, and when they get blessed, they walk away. And so when I was answering the call to the ministry, it was a conversation I had with God. And I will not deny my children the basic necessities of life for any member. My children's school fees will be paid. They will eat. They will, because I knew how that experience stopped me from answering the call and almost made me to hate God. Because I felt, why would God call my father and call him to help people and bless people and he would minister and do all this sacrifice for people and then people would walk away. And I felt God was not fair. So I had that conversation with God and I don't touch my children's school fees. Not for any member. I won't do it. Because, to say the least, sometimes those you labor over are the most forgetful. I can share my own experiences with you. <laughs> had a young man come in, joined us, had absolutely nothing. Ministered to him, blessed him, prayed for him, ministered the word of God to him. Started him up with business. The, the, the month we started him up with business, that month he got a job. The next month I didn't see him in church. Till today. Didn't see him again. Paul is saying that when a pastor is laboring over you, he is also treasuring in hope. Are you hearing what I'm saying? How many of you, as you are planning your year, you plan and say, you know what, this year I'm going to give my pastor this. Most times it's not there. It's not in the radar. But when things go wrong, come on, who is the first person you want to call? The pastor. Are you, are you here? You know, some, sometimes people think all we do is preach. I've gone to the police station to, 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 to stand guarantee for members and taking them out. People have called us to stand for them when none of their families will stand for them. The good, the bad, and the ugly, they'll call the pastor. But yet, if you see somebody buys something for a pastor that's expensive, then everybody's going, What is he doing with it? See, not a man of God. You've got to renew your mind where that is concerned. So Paul says. <laughs> Verse 11. If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? He's asking a question. Huh? We sow spiritual things to you. There is no day, I'll tell you here, there is no day any member of this church is without prayers. We pray for you every single day. Every single day. We do that for you. It says if we have sowed spiritual things to you, is it too much if we rip material things from you? Is it, is it too expensive? Because in our mind, we don't see spiritual things as valuable. We don't, we don't count them very valuable. 
That's why I gave an example now. If a motivational speaker comes and does all those powerful presentations with PowerPoints, we'll be, yeah, this guy deserves the money he's paying him. We do not question the money other people are paid. But when it comes to a pastor or a preacher, we want to say, yeah, what's he doing with all those money? Does he really deserve that? Is it worth it? Praise God. Are, are you learning something this morning? Look at this. Do you not... Uh, verse, verse 12. If others share the right over you, do we not more? Do we, do we not more? Nevertheless, we did not use this right. But we endure... Not enjoy, but we endure all things so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. And this is where the balance needs to be drawn. Because you have this right does not mean that you should now demand it. So that it will not do what? Hinder the gospel. I'll give you an example. And there's nothing wrong with it. But you know, there are pastors who say, well, all my birthday has to be celebrated by the church. Women department prepare something. Men department prepare something. You know, all, everybody, and every year they get around. We're raising this money for pastor during his birthday. And the pastors make you do it and you get involved in it. It's not, I'm not saying it's wrong, but I wouldn't do that. Why? Because you don't want to exercise this right. If I want you to give to me, I can, I can do things to make you give to me. I can say, well, my birthday is coming up. Let the church get something ready. Do you think I can do that? You don't think so? <laughs> I can do that. You know, the only thing you do is make probably grumble and change churches. But there will still be people who will get it done. Then I can say, well, pastor's appreciation month. Do you think you get something ready for doing pastor's appreciation month? Then I can say, well, founder's day. If I do something every quarter, every three months, I'll have you contributing something towards me. But then the problem is, what about when you have a pastor who does not do all of that? What now is your response? You realize that your response is the natural man will never think I should honor my pastor. So that's why sometimes you find that pastors do certain things they do because you realize that, listen, they just said, if we don't go this way, these people will not do anything. So we have to organize. Are you hearing this? You know, sometimes a guest speaker will come to the church and preach. Preach on fairy message. And you see people just carry hundreds of thousands. Man of God, you blessed me. Yes! <laughs> I've never seen the word like this before. And there will be one man who preached to you every Wednesday, every Sunday, series upon series, series upon series, series upon series. You don't even consider that he uses airtime. And what is that? What, what's, what's that about? That's not following the scriptures. A guest speaker blesses you, but a guest speaker does not labor over you. There are two things. Are you hearing this? Don't worry. It's, it's as tough for, you, tough for me preaching it as it is as tough for you hearing it. But we have to tell ourselves the truth. Because it's in the word of God. You know, Brother Hagin was pastoring a church and really didn't teach them about tithing and giving and all of this. 
Many years later, he left that church and the Lord spoke to him, go back and teach them these things. He says, because you denied them the opportunity of getting blessed. What I'm presenting to you today is the opportunity for you to participate in what is ordained and designed by the Lord. I do it myself. A couple of months, I think sometimes last year, my family was following a particular ministry and, uh, on TV. So every morning, my, my wife watches with my kids. They use it for their devotion. You know, I observed it for like a month. And I said, oh wow, this ministry is blessing my family. Uh, uh, we sent them an offering. We partnered with them. Why? It's spiritual. If someone is blessing you, if someone is laboring over you, it is expected that you communicate back to that person. It's the word of God. It's an obligation. A minister is not on salary because he's not hired by the people. He's not a hireling. He's the Lord's servant. You can put a salary just for administrative purposes, but that's not how God is designed. That his ministers should live. God has designed that his ministers should live by those who are blessed by their ministry should communicate to them. Not communicate to the ministry alone, but communicate to them individually. Because what goes to the ministry doesn't come to me. Are you hearing this? Are you here? Look at this. Verse 14. Or verse 13. Do you know that those who perform sacred services eat the food of the temple? And those who attend regularly to the altar have share from the altar? I know you have not been there before, but you've watched all these Babalao films in African magic. Eh? When you go and present goats. Eh? They will cut the neck of the goats and pour it on the altar. Who is going to eat the whole goat? Tell me, who do you think will eat the whole goat? I know you have not been there, but who will eat the whole goat? Or some of you served shrines before you got born again. You ate the goat. Yeah? <laughs> he says, if a man is participating in the altar, it's what comes to the altar he will eat from. You don't expect Julius Beggar to pay me. Because that's not where I'm laboring. Are you following this? So he says, Verse 14. Look at this carefully. So also, the Lord directed. Everybody say directed. The King James Version says commanded. The Lord commanded those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. Not to get their living from somewhere else. That's how the Lord proclaimed it. That's how the Lord ordained it. It is not wrong. It is the instruction of the Lord. That if a man proclaims the gospel, he gets his living from the gospel. Praise God. Look at verse 15. But I've used none of these things. And I'm not writing these things so that it will be done so in my case. Just the same way. I'm not just preaching because it's me. I'm teaching you the whole counsel of God. For it will be better for me to die than have any man make my boast an empty one. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this voluntarily, glory to God, I have a reward. I have a reward if I do it voluntarily. But if against my will, I will have a stewardship entrusted to me. 
What then is my reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. He says, listen, I, I'll, come, I'll preach to you free. Because I don't want to use my right. I don't want to place a demand. Why will I not preach this every Sunday? Because I don't want this to be a hindrance to people receiving the message. But that does not mean people should go about not honoring or not giving or not doing what deserves to be done. When a minister of the gospel preaches and teaches the word of God, he deserves to be supported. It is something that he's entitled to. It is something that he's worthy of. It is not helping the preacher. It is you fulfilling God's commandment. I've preached in places and the Lord has instructed me not to receive an offering. I've done that several times. Remember during the lockdown last year, preached in a large church in India, and they were to send me some money. And the Lord said, don't receive from them. And I didn't. I've gone to, I mean, there was a particular time I was invited to preach in a church in South Africa, and the Lord said to me, pay your way there, don't receive an honorarium from them. Because this thing is not about going to collect money. It's about going where the Lord sends you, and doing what the Lord asks you to do. Praise God. I said, praise God. I, I, I think last, last, uh, uh, this is Matt, February ending, uh, I, I, did a, I was preaching a place in Abiyokuta. I couldn't go, so I did a, a, about a 30 minutes video. I was here. We recorded that video. I preached as if I was preaching to just me and the ministry staff here. Full 30 minutes teaching, as if I was teaching people. So they played it over there. And when the meeting finished, the guy reached out to me. People were so blessed and everything. We want to give you an honorarium for that. And the Lord says, don't receive it. I said, no. I mean, he kept insisting. I said, no, I'm under instruction not to receive it. Did I need that money? Oh, yes, I did. But I will not receive money at the expense of an instruction that the Lord is giving to me. So Paul says, listen, we're not using this right. But not because we don't know our right. We're not using this because we don't want it to become what? A stumbling block to the gospel. So don't think, for instance, yeah, for as a pastor, I don't know what I'm worth, or I don't know what I deserve, or I don't know what's supposed to come to me. If I choose to be silent about it, it is because I don't want that to become a stumbling block to preaching the gospel, so I give the gospel free of charge. Are you hearing this? I mean, I do leadership development with my service team. Sometimes the things I sit and I teach them for an hour in the service team meetings, leadership development, potential development, are things that motivational speakers will charge hundreds and thousands for. But why do we do that? We don't want that to be a stumbling block to the gospel. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, now let's, let's, let's look at this. Let me show you something here. Look at um, Romans fifteen twenty seven. Romans chapter 15, verse 27. Let me show you uh, a principle. The same principle, Paul used it. Romans fifteen twenty seven. Look at it here. He was talking about uh, the contribution... Of the saints to the poor saints in Jerusalem. Verse 26. It says, for, verse 25. 
But now I'm going to Jerusalem serving the saints. For Macedonia and Asia have been pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. There's a principle I want you to get here. Verse 27. Yes, they, are, they were pleased to do so. And they are indebted to them. Look at this. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, they are indebted to minister to them also in material things. Do you see what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 is what is repeated in Romans. He says, listen, if you have participated of the spiritual things of people, then you are indebted to them materially. It's an indebt. You, you, it's a debt as it were. You owe them that. You know, because somehow we don't understand how this works, right? You see, some of the things we're teaching here, as we're teaching you the word of God, you are growing in your knowledge of God. The blessings of God are coming your way. You're knowing how to direct your family. You know, some people, your, your family was probably scattered, not in shape, and you, start, you started coming to church, and you were fed the word of God, you were taught the word of God, now your family is intact. How much is that blessing worth? What would you quantify that blessing with? Praise God. You know, some people had sicknesses all along, and hands were laid on them, boom, they got healed. Now, nobody is saying you should pay for that service, but the truth of the matter is, if you look at that, you cannot compare spiritual things to what? To material things. You know, one day, uh, it, it, it gave me a very profound lesson. My dad went to Germany to preach. And, and it was a blessing to me that period. Uh, a lady stumbled on his materials on the internet. And the lady says, I've got a house fellowship of 12 people. I want you to come preach. So then I was just standing outside. So I told my dad, would you travel to go and preach to 12 people? And my dad said something. It, it, it registered in my heart so strong. He says, even if it's one person, I would go. That whatever we would spend to get to minister to that one person, it's not, we don't compare people in terms of numbers. One soul is worth all the investment in the world. And that changed my mind when going to missions. Praise God. I said, praise God. I remember I went to Liberia. And I, and I did missions in Liberia for three weeks. I was preaching, preaching. Every, most times when I travel to preach, you know, you know, that's why sometimes even as preachers, we need to be careful. You know, some, people, some preachers travel and then they will snap at the, on the plane, you know, just arriving, snap at the airport. So most people think that traveling is, is fun. Well, for some preachers it is. If you travel with me, you will know that it's not fun. <laughs> I mean, I have a week trip trip coming up. I'm traveling for a week to all our churches. And I'm preaching every single day. Every single day. I start traveling. Probably I'm traveling on a Tuesday. I'm preaching on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, two services. So I'm preaching every single day. When I travel out of this country to go and preach, <laughs> you don't want to look at my schedule. It's it's hectic it's not it's not we're not going for fun we're not going to enjoy sightseeing this is work and these have shaped my perspective because sometimes we go to those African missions I was talking about Liberia went to Liberia to preach 11 uh, three, 3 weeks preaching in churches all kinds of meetings leadership training pastors meeting these and these and that and that and these and this. when I was living after 3 weeks the whole money all the churches were able to get to me was 10,000 naira. After three weeks. 
I mean, that one got to me. When I was on the plane, I was like, God. <laughs> then I just got married. Well, just about early days of our marriage. I was like, how do I even explain this to my wife? You know, I was thinking, we just had a baby day. What am I going to Throughout the flight, whether there was turbulence or not, the turbulence in my head was stronger than what was outside. I was thinking. But the Lord gave me a word that day and I've never forgotten. And he says, because you served me with your heart, I'll reward and I'll bless you. You know, when the Lord tells you those things, you just say, eh, I know. But, how would this happen? But God did a miracle for me that day that changed my whole life. A friend of mine came to the airport and told me, when you get home, uh, how are they going to get you back? And he says, uh, he said, I said, oh, I'll, I'll enter a can get home. He says, oh, you don't have a car? I said, no, I don't. He now said, okay, give me a, a moment. What's like your middle name? He asked me my name. I didn't think anything to it. He was about to buy a car then. When we had that conversation, the Lord told him that the car is mine. And then, a few minutes later, he came and said, well, uh, we're buying this car to bless you. I was so shocked, I could not believe it. He thought I could drive. Then I, could, I couldn't drive. I had told myself, the first car I will ever drive is my, is my own car, not my father's car. I didn't want the one to be collecting keys from me when I want to go out. So my father had a car, but I never learned to drive. My first driving experience was with my own car. And that's how we got the car. And I was thinking, oh, how God rewards. Oh, how God rewards. Praise the name of the Lord. You see, God knows how to get things to you. But that should not, don't leave your spiritual responsibility to others. Fulfill your own part of the obligation. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. Go to Galatians 6 6. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 6. It says, The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Can you see that? Paul again amplifies this principle. He says, if a man is taught in the word, he has to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Don't think I don't have enough. Don't think, oh, you know, people have that. I'm planning. Oh, pastor. Oh, 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 oh. What I am planning to do. Execute the plan. He that is faithful in little, will what? Will be faithful in much. It's not he that is faithful with planning. Just that. Just that. I remember being blessed by the minister of Reverend Kola Oshore when I was in youth service. And I said, God, I want to bless this man of God. He was coming to Abuja to have a meeting. And in my mind, I said I was going to give him 10,000. Man, I saved that 10000 for over 7 months The joy that filled my heart When I was able to sow that into his life it was, more, it was like I bought the whole world It's a principle I have learned very early To communicate with the one who teaches me the word That's honor That's honor That's ministering back That's fellowship That's, what, that's, that's how the needs of your pastor gets met that's how the needs of your pastor get met. And it's not waiting for one rich person to do it. It's you getting involved in that. Playing your part in it. Glory to God. I said glory to God. How did Jesus get his needs met in the disciples? Luke chapter 8. Because somehow we felt, oh, you think Jesus was always getting miraculous fish. Are collecting? No, 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 no. 
He had a treasurer. Luke chapter 8. Soon afterwards, he began going around from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him. So Jesus actually was traveling with 13. They were 13 in all. 12 and Jesus. They were all full-time ministers. Traveling and preaching. You know how much money it is to take care of. So let's assume that everybody in those days was, was spending about 50000 or let's say 100000 okay, a month. That means Jesus was maybe like 100 times about 10, praise God. <laughs> That's about a million, right? If I'm right about that. Hmm? Just to get them going. You know? Anyway, going from city to city, village to village. You think when Jesus was would climb the mountain and say, Blessed are you, blessed, and he was preaching. You think Jesus was doing all of this because uh, uh, God, when he goes in, to pray at night, God would throw him a bag of money. Or robbers would have robbed and forgotten, you know, Nigerian film, robbers would rob and then throw the bag of money somewhere, and then one woman would be sweeping a kite. You think that's how Jesus' needs were met? <laughs> The money Judas was stealing, who was bringing it? And Jesus was not collecting offerings. Look at how he was coming. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. And Joanna, the wife of Chooser, Herod's steward. This guy was working in Herod's office. And Susanna and many others and many others who were contributing to their support out of their private means. How did Jesus get his needs in ministry met? The people Jesus preached to contributed to his support out of their private means. That's how Jesus ate. That's how Jesus drank. That's how Jesus got his needs met. That's how he had the staff paid. That's how ministry is designed to run. Are you here? Last scripture. If the Lord permits us, we'll have more time to engage this. But I don't think we need to engage this more than this. First Thessalonians chapter 5. <laughs> Some guys will say, if this does not set you on fire, it means your wood is wet. <laughs> Glory to God. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 12. But you understand how this thing works? Are you seeing it from scriptures? It means when you're planning, either monthly or yearly, put your pastor in there. Or quarterly. Remember, every New Testament offering must be willingly and as you are led. So, but get it in the plan. Factor it in the plan. You're doing God's duty. You're not doing it to help your pastor. You're obeying scriptures. Praise God. <laughs> First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 12. But, uh, but we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate. You appreciate those, or you know those, who diligently labor among you. And have charge over you in the Lord. And give you instruction. We appreciate them. Verse 13. And that you esteem them very highly in love. Because of their work. 
esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Hold them in high esteem because of the work they do. Don't hold them in low esteem. The pastor is not beggarly. The pastor is not, oh, well, uh, uh, sorry to say this, it's okay, but the pastor is not like every time you want to consider what to give to the pastor, you're looking at what you've used before. It's not just the one person in church you can give, uh, you know, we can hand down things to. When you look at your pastor, hold him in high esteem for his work's sake, for the work that he does. We find out that even though the Corinthians did not minister to Paul, Paul had to take from other churches to minister to him. I don't have time because my time is up. I would have explained to you why Paul walked. Paul walked for two reasons. Number one, to show an example of diligence to the people. And number two, because he wasn't supported. Because imagine, if I'm pastoring in this church, and I'm not well supported, and I have a wife and I have a family, come on, what's that going to be? I'll go, go, go get something to do. Don't see ministry that it's not work. Hmm? For a ministry like ours, for instance, when ministry grows, then they hire a lot of staff. Sometimes we get to do accounting work, we get to do administrative work. Sometimes we're here sitting in the office. I'll tell you something, right? Every day, you know, sometimes people, wake, uh, people call me at about 10, and it's very embarrassing to say, Oh, Pastor, sorry for waking you up. <sighs> you know, every single day, we resume this office, 9 to 5, 9 to 6. In fact, last year, I was working up until 8 p.m. every day. Um, my wife had to have a family meeting <laughs> with me and says, no, you're working too much. You need to close when everybody else is closing. We resume this office 9 to 5. I mean, sometimes people think nothing goes on in the office. You know, people just think we come and we're watching Kumbaya Lord. <laughs> Praise God. Maybe you should come and volunteer one week in the office and see the level of work. In between that, we're calling this, we're counseling this, we're doing this. Look at what Paul said to the Corinthians church. In um, 2 Corinthians 11, 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 8. Somebody getting, getting blessed here? Alright. This should bless you. should bless you. It's the word of God. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 8. Look at this. Let me read from verse 11. Hmm? And then we'll stop at verse 10. And then we can close. Look at this. I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness. But indeed you are bearing with me. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband so that to, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. But I am afraid that as, as the serpent deceived Eve... By scraftiness, your mind will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. When false prophets come and take money from you, it's easy. You bear them with false gospel. Easily. The prophet comes and says, Ah, there is a root in your tree. I see bell in your blood. And you need to sow seed according to your age. Or sow seed to cleanse it. A hundred thousand is not big to you. Ah, what is it? What is life we are talking about here? What is hundred thousand? And the truth I'm teaching you, you don't think is life. 
He says, you bear with them. For I consider myself not in least inferior to the most eminent apostles. I don't consider myself to be smaller. I don't consider myself to be least than anybody else there who, who you're honoring so big. I always tell people this. If I'm not needed, God will not have called me. And I say with all humility, bless God for all the mighty great men of God that has gone before time. But I know what the Lord has called me and I magnify the office that the Lord has called me to. I'm not inferior to anybody in ministry. It doesn't matter what the standards of men are. If the Lord called you and anointed you and set you in an office, then you honor that office. But look at what it says. But even if I'm unskilled in speech, yet I'm not so in knowledge. I might not know how to talk, but I know book. <laughs> That's the pleasing English version of this. Huh? In fact, in every way, we've made this evident to you in all things. We've taught you the word. We've shown you that we can teach scriptures. We, we, we've, been, we've made it evident that we're not ignorant. Look at what it says. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted? Because I preached the gospel to you without charge. Is, is it now a sin that I didn't place a demand on you? Because sometimes we almost make pastors who keep themselves humble, who don't place a demand, we almost make them look like they are foolish. Is it, is it, is it, is it a sin? Is it a sin that I say before you see me you shouldn't pay consultation fee? Is it now a sin that I humble myself? That you can come and I'll pray for you? Huh? Is it a sin that I humble myself? <laughs> Look at what it says. I robbed other churches by taking wages from them to serve you. That's what Apostle Paul told the Corinthian church. He says, listen, I actually took money from other churches so I can minister to you. Hmm? Other churches are paying me to preach to you. And I humble myself to serve you. See, is it a sin? Go to verse 7. Is it a sin that I humble myself to you? Okay? Did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted? Because I preached the gospel of God to you without charge. Which means, listen, I could have charged you. I could have talked about means to charge you. Hmm? I can come and say, yeah, church should get this for me. You will grumble, but you will contribute the money. And I'll get it. He says, so is it a sin that I humble myself? Look at the next verse. He says, I, I actually robbed other churches so I can minister to you. You don't need to allow your pastor to rob other churches to minister to you. The church where your pastor pastors should take the spiritual responsibility of ministering to his needs. That's why in Philippians chapter 4, talking about the Macedonian churches, Philippians chapter 4 verse 11, it says, No other church communicated to me in giving and receiving except you. And once and again, you minister to my need. And he says, My God shall supply your needs. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I want to challenge you to practice this word where the word of God is concerned. Praise God. It looks simple, but it's something we need to factor into our lives, into our finances, into our stewardship. Knowing that the Lord, I mean, personally, like Apostle Paul, We've made up our minds. We will never charge for the gospel. Neither we will do anything that would hinder the furtherance of the gospel. But that does not mean that we do not deserve as much support as we can receive from the saints. 
Because if a man ministers spiritual things to you, Paul says you owe that man. There are hundreds, you know, Andrew Womack said something one day and it, and it shocked me. I thought, oh, well, that means it's everywhere. He said they, they were trying to get some money to do their packing in the church, in the, in the ministry. And he said, listen, this ministry reaches over a billion people. And he talked about how many hundreds and thousands of people that are on their mailing list. And then he goes on to say, if every one of those would even give $10 or maybe $20 would have these needs met. But out of the hundreds and millions of people that he get to minister to, only a fraction responds back to the message. That's not good Christian practice. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If I can stand here and preach and teach the word, it's because someone somewhere is endeavoring to have my needs met. And so I'm not distracted and I can teach the word. And you need to be part of that. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you blessed? Alright, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We, we look to you, Father God, as our source. And we thank you for the word that has come forth. We pray that everyone will receive it in the spirit of meekness. And in Jesus' name, we call every need met in our private lives, in the life of our church members, in the life of this ministry. We pray, Father God, that you stir the hearts of men in this regard. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Amen. While the song is going on, let's get our offering. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.